time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. We're continuing this series here that Pastor John started last week called Heroes. And I want to talk to you tonight about Moses. And uh, before we dive into the Word of God, though, I just want to tell you how proud I am of you uh, for raising 11 thousand dollars for hard work. No, that's not good enough. Stand to your feet and give yourselves a huge hand. Let's just do it. Give yourselves a huge hand. Good. Exodus chapter 33. Let's read this together. I'm going to talk about Moses tonight. Father, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing, Lord Jesus, here at DSM. God, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would mark our hearts tonight, that some of the leadership characteristics that were in Moses would be in us. And God, we want to effectively lead our generation like Moses led his. So we ask, Lord God, that we would not only receive revelation tonight, but that you would give us the strength and the courage to do what Moses did. God, we pray, Lord, that we would be able to help people become free. God, those that are enslaved, that walk our high schools and are bound to immorality, bound to pride, bound to the things of this world, Lord God. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to be deliverers of men. God, even as you used Moses, use us. We love you, and everyone said amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 33, we're going to start in verse 7. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord, that means everyone who sought God, spent time going after God, would seek the Lord. Everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. And so it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Say face to face. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. And here it is, I want you to get this. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, didn't have any parents, just kidding. The son of Nun... A young man, there it is, say that, a young man. There it is, the son of Nun, comma, a young man, that's who we're going to look at a little bit here in a second, did not depart from the tabernacle. So you can imagine, Joshua, probably pretty impressed by Moses, probably pretty amazed. I mean, Joshua was born into Egyptian slavery. And so as Joshua grows up, he's watching his friends be suppressed by the Egyptians. He's watching his family be suppressed. And so he's, he's growing up in Egypt as a slave. And so you can imagine, born into slavery, you can imagine what kind of thrill there may have been for this young man, Joshua, when a guy like Moses steps onto the scene of history. Of course, Joshua has known that his people have been enslaved and that about 400 years ago, there was a man named Joseph. And Joseph 
Joseph had helped be a phenomenal leader and he had helped his people, the Israelite people, come into Egypt where they found wealth and they got away from poverty. But now 400 years have passed and the Pharaoh who was once kind to them has now enslaved them. And so Joshua is growing up with his people as slaves. And so imagine the thrill inside of a young man, this young aide, Joshua, when all of a sudden a leader shows up on the scene that will contend with the Pharaoh. I mean, imagine the thrill. I mean, we're not talking about a weak man. We're talking about a man who shows up and goes face to face with the most powerful man in the world at the time. He stands face to face on behalf of God, talking about how God has spoken to him. And he looks at him and says, let my people go. So he's fighting for Joshua's freedom. He cares about Joshua and all of the other Israelite people. He's one of them caring for them. He's one of them fighting for their freedom. And he's willing to confront the enemy. You can imagine the thrill of Joshua and his young friends. When Moses stands face to face with Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And he's got such authority from God that when he decides to threaten Pharaoh, he says, if not, you'll regret it. And boom, rivers turn to blood. (laughs) I mean, if you're Joshua, you're going, dang, that guy's awesome. Let my people go. No, fine, frogs. Frogs everywhere. I mean, if you're a young man seeing this guy, you're going, who, who is this? Not only is he confronting the enemy, not only is he fighting for my freedom, but God is with him. I mean, God sends flies, gnats, boils, locusts. I mean, can you imagine if you're one of these young men enslaved the, 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 the thrill, the, the, the new worldview that you're starting to gain when a man of God, a prophet of God, steps on the scene and contends with the enemy. I mean, there is something inside of Joshua that's going, I, I, I like this Moses guy. I, I think what's going on in the heart of Joshua, and we know this because he becomes his young aide or his young student. He becomes a disciple of Moses. He, beca- he wants to be like Moses. And of course, it's kind of interesting because not only does Moses show up with his strength, but there's actually a shortage of Israelite men because when, when Moses was a boy, the Pharaoh had killed all the baby boys. Remember that? And so every baby boy under the age of two years old, except for Moses, was killed. And so, so now Moses, probably mid, middle-aged, Now he's the only Israelite man that age because the others are all dead. And you can watch a generation of fathers have been wiped out and now a spiritual father steps on the scene and you can guarantee Joshua is mesmerized. Joshua's going, I I like this guy. This guy is gonna offer us freedom. This guy will contend with the enemy. I mean, this guy is, he's got supernatural power. He confronts the enemy. He's stoic and cool with a white beard. 
you know, at least I use it in cartoons. A mixture of John Wayne, Sean Connery, and Benny Hinn or something. I mean, he's like, it's intense. This guy is awesome. You can imagine if you're Joshua, just the joy of someone who's willing to fight for you stepping on the scene. So Joshua in Exodus 33, he goes with Moses. Moses goes into the tent to meet with God. And Joshua follows him. And in a sense, he's saying, your connection with God, I want. Your leadership, I want. And we all know Joshua ends up being the one that leads the people into the promised land. Moses actually hands the baton to Joshua. And yet I'm mesmerized by this idea of this young aide, Joshua. That word aide, that he, he, this assistant, this, this young man, because he's young. When he's going into the, temple, into the tabernacle, following Moses in, he's a young person just like you. Not an old guy going, oh, you know what? I like the way that you did it, and I want to replicate it. So I'm going to talk to a peer and learn the goods, learn how to lead. No, we're talking about a young man. A young man that sees an example and follows him. Today, we have a generation of young people in our schools that are looking for someone to lead them. They're looking for courage. They're looking for young men and women that know God like Moses, that have strength and determination and a clear conviction from God, walk in supernatural power. And there's a great need for young leaders to step up and fight for their freedom. Your generation is enslaved just like these guys. Only they're enslaved to, the, to immorality. They're enslaved to lust and pride. Fear of what their future is going to look like. And the great need in Colorado Springs. In DSM. Is that you would raise up. You would rise up. You would stand up. And lead them. When I look at Moses, the first thing that I notice about Moses is just this. Moses leads. He's a leader. Now, here's the interesting thing. Moses didn't feel like a leader, right? God appears to him. You know the story, Exodus 3, burning bush. And God tells Moses to lead. And Moses looks back at God and says, that's right, you finally found me. I'm your first round draft pick. I'm your boy. I got the skills. I got the goods. I got the talents. No. Moses goes, me? Oh, no, 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 no. Maybe my brother. Get someone else. You got to be kidding me. Moses' shame, his past, when he feels like he doesn't have the right skills, those are the hiccups. Those are the hurdles that he says to God, like, surely it can't be me. And yet, God says, no, it is you. And here's the reality, that even though Moses started off a bit timid, he became a mighty leader. When God gives you a position of leadership, there's only one thing you can do, lead. People don't want to lead because to lead is vulnerable and risky. And if you stay in the shadows, then nobody attacks you. If you don't don't stand for something, if you don't say something, nobody attacks you. But if you stand up and you lead, then you can guarantee people are going to have an opinion. And the temptation is to say, well, I would be arrogant or I would be proud to lead. When in reality, 
It's your pride that's keeping you from leading. When God gives you a position of leadership, there's only one thing you can do, lead. It's interesting because Jesus looks at the disciples and he tells them, you guys, yeah, tax collectors and fishermen, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. For surely I'm with you to the end of time. What is that? It's leadership. Just go lead. Everything that you've seen me be and me do and me say, you go be, you go do, you go say. Go. Push forth. Yeah, but you know what? They might hurt us. Yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah, but if, I, if we do that, it will cost us a lot. Yeah, it will. But Jesus gives them a position of leadership. And he says, go lead. On your campuses right now, you've been given the commission by Jesus to go lead. In fact, the most powerful people to reach your campus is not a Christian band. It's not a youth pastor. It's not a Christian rapper. It's not a Christian YouTube video. It's you. John can lead a little. Brandon can lead a little. I can lead a little. We can lead you. But we can't lead on your campus. There's a generation that's dependent on you to lead them. You go, David, that sounds like pressure. Let's lighten the mood. No, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's, that is the great commission. That's what Jesus told us to do. To tell people about him. So you have an opportunity. Question is not if you're called to leadership. You said yes to Jesus. You're called to go into all the world. Give up your life. So where does it start? It starts now. No, 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 David. I feel like that's a little too strong. I'm not asking your opinion. That's part of the problem. It's so easy for us to just go, well, I just, I just feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. No, let's, let's talk about what, what, what's the word of God tell us to do? When you're given a position of leadership, lead. If you've said yes to the finished work of Jesus on the cross and you have friends on your campus that are either backslidden, lackluster in the pursuit of God or don't know Jesus at all, guess what? You've got an opportunity to lead. The great need right now is leaders. It's a generation of young men and women that will go out and lead with strength. In addition to being a great leader, Moses leads. But another thing that Moses does that I just love. Moses walks in the power of God. Supernatural. I mean, you can only imagine if you're Joshua and his friends and you see Moses come to town... And Moses is saying, hey, the plagues are coming if you don't. And the plagues come, it's going to get your attention. There's going to be not a thought of, yeah, well, I don't know. There's going to be a, how does that happen? Even when we read through the book of Acts, a part of what gave the apostles authority, a part of what made people listen to their message was they walked in supernatural power. Today, it's very easy with all of the things that we have to communicate. We have churches, we have websites, we have television, we have radio, and the temptation is to think, you know what? I'm just gonna allow someone else to say it, someone else to preach it, some other slick, relevant way 
of preaching the gospel. But the reality is, is if you want to really see your friends come to know Jesus, you lead them and you walk in the power of God and I guarantee you, you'll start leading people to Jesus. You, when, when we walk and, and when we pray, and that's, that's just taking risks. That's just constantly taking risks, praying for healing, believing for supernatural things, asking God to speak to you and proclaiming it and taking a risk. God will use you in supernatural power. It is real today. This church is not a church that says, supernatural power, take it or leave it. This is a church that says, we believe at our core that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said. At the very core, I can't fathom. I can't fathom how much you'd be moved if you're enslaved and Moses shows up and he's walking in such power. Walk up to the Red Sea. In that moment, you're not looking at your friend saying, let's have a debate. Let's just talk about if God is real. You're going, heck yeah, baby, what's up? And you're running through the water. You're going, God is faithful. Holy Moses, God, this is good. You're going, yes. Thank God. I mean, we see it, the plagues. We see it with the Red Sea. And then I love the story in Exodus 17, the, the battle at Rephidim, where Moses just has to have his hands up. And when his hands are up, then the Israelites are winning. And when his hands go down, they start to lose. Up, win, down, your friends are dying. Up, your friends are William Wallace. Down, your friends are, uh, <laughs> yeah, hobbits, you know, like, you just, just unable to succeed. When you see that, I'm telling you, friends, Moses was a great leader. And you can imagine if you're walking in supernatural power, and I'm not saying that you necessarily are going to walk with that kind of supernatural power, but when you, in, in whatever degree, when you're saying to your friends, I'm believing God to raise $500 and you say it in faith for hard work and then you do it. There's something in them that goes, wow. When you come back from with stories about when you went overseas and you tell about leading other people to Jesus or maybe you talk about healing and seeing people healed or maybe you pray for your friends and they see healing. One of the most powerful ways to preach the gospel with your life is through walking in supernatural power. And we're committed to that here. We're praying for healings like crazy. We're doing, on Sunday nights, here in this room, we're, just, we're praying for healings three weeks in a row. Just crying out to God for miracles. Last week, we cried out to God for miracles. Two weeks ago, we did. This Sunday, Pastor John's gonna preach and tell his story about how God healed him. Because this isn't a theory, this is his story. You can't convince John that God doesn't heal today. Why? Well, a man with a testimony is not at the mercy of a man with mere argument, right? 
John's going, you can't persuade me. I've been healed. That's what the blind man said. And John, listen, I don't know. All I know is I once was blind. And now I see. You walk in power. And I promise you this. Kids will come out of the woodwork going, who are you? You gotta be kidding me. Who is God? And that's another thing. Is it not just obvious? Number three is this. Moses knows God. He just knows God. And you can imagine if you're Joshua, you follow him right into the tent because I want to go in the tent of meeting because if he knows God, I want to know God. I'm telling you, the reason why I wanted to be a Christ follower is because I knew one man that knew God and I could see it. It's different. And of course, this is the story, right? Exodus chapter 32, Moses communicates with God. Exodus 33, the one I just read, he goes and talks to God face to face. Face, you know, he comes out with his face radiant, glowing. <laughs> I mean, he knows God. Imagine in Exodus 34, Moses comes off the mountain after being with God and his face is literally glowing. I mean, literally, like light up the world, baby. Look at my face. I mean, imagine. One of the ways that you will make a measurable impact in these precious years you have on your junior high campus and high school campus, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, is if you authentically know God and you're able in time and season to speak the oracles of God, what God is saying, you'll watch. God will start to do things. I believe right now we're in a fresh season at New Life. I believe since these 21 days of prayer and fasting, I believe God's doing something special. And I believe it's because we just leaned in to know God. There are stories unraveling right now that have happened that are miraculous. That are happening right now. And I think it's just starting to know God. If you know God, if you walk with God, that's why then there will be a who are you factor. Tell me more about Jesus. It's the very thing that they saw in the disciples. And they said, they saw that these men had been with Jesus. They could see it. They could see these guys have been with God. I, I can see it. We have interns right here that I can just see it. I can just see the ones. They've just, they've just been with God. You know? Any of y'all know Bucky? You know, when you're around Bucky, you can just tell. Bucky's locked in. He's locked in. And when I'm around him, I can tell. He's walking with God. When I was walking in here a minute ago, he said, hey, can I just pray for you before you go up? Why? He's just, he's just, he's wanting to stay close to God. And so when I get around Bucky, I, I want to love God more. You know? I just, because there's, because Bucky's pursuing God with such strength. You know, there's just a, the, the God factor is mixed in with the Bucky factor. And it's just <laughs> there, you know? It's just, it's just there. You will radiate the life of God if you know God and you take the light of Jesus to your campus. Moses knew God. Moses walked closely with God. 
The last one is this. I could do 10, but I'm not going to because I want to pray for you tonight. Here's this last one. This one's a little hard, but this is one of the evident, this is one of the things that makes a hero. That we're calling this series Heroes. And so I'm wanting to bring out some of the heroic things about Moses. And this one's a little bit difficult because this one really goes against American culture. You know, if you can walk in supernatural power, American culture will be like, oh, sweet, great. Put you on TV, great. You know, cool. If you walk with God and you, you know, you know God, a lot of times people will be like, sweet, okay, cool. If you lead with strength, some, a lot of people criticize you, some people praise you. But if you do this last one, if you really do this last one, you have people that come against you. Listen to this last one. Number four, Moses crushes idols. Read this with me, Exodus 32. Moses, after being on the mountain, Aaron and the people make a golden calf. So they've, when they were in Egypt, obviously this golden calf would have been what they would have worshipped. And so God was the one who delivered them and they didn't have to worship idols anymore. And back in Exodus 20, we remember Exodus 20, where it says, you shall have no other gods before me, right? And so God has made clear, I don't want you to worship idols. I want you to worship me. No other gods but me, only one. And then they go back to what they used to know. You know, well, it's kind of hard out here in the desert. So let's just go back. We used to worship idols back in Egypt. So let's do that here. And, you know, if it were in our culture today, probably what a good pastor is expected to do in America, when you've been with God, come back and find people worshiping an idol, it's like, let me put your, my arm around you. Let me just tell you why this isn't good for you. I don't want to offend you. Tell you what, why don't you go read my blog, come back and tell me what you think, you know? Let's develop a friendship. We'll talk about it over the course of 20 years. Bless you. Right? That's not how Moses leads. Listen to Moses. Exodus 32, verse 19. It came about as soon as Moses came near the camp. So he came back. He's been with God. He comes back and they're worshiping an idol. It it, it came about as soon as Moses came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses put his arm around the people. No. And Moses' anger burned. (sighs) And he threw the tablets from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. And he went up to the people. And he smiled. No. Verse 20. He took the calf, their idol, which they had been worshiping he took the calf which they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder you think that's intense and scattered it over the surface of the water burn it grind it to powder throw it over the water now we're done no Moses is still burning with anger And made the sons of Israel drink it. (sighs) Oh yeah. This is more than a blog post. 
This is more than, hey, I have an opinion. I don't want to offend you, so let me just tell you where I'm at, and you come back and tell me where you're at on this whole worshiping idols thing. Moses, you know, he's, he's been walking with God so closely that he hates the thing that's destroying the people. Why? Because he loves God and he loves those people. He's not just a ticked off old man. He wants to destroy the thing that's destroying the people of God. He hates it. Why? Because he loves them. Love is passion for someone's highest good. So if you want what's good for someone, you don't allow them to tolerate the things that will destroy them. When my daughter Olivia tried to stick a knife when she was three in the electrical socket. I did not go, oh, sweetheart, let's have a conversation. Baby. I freaked out. No. I grabbed it, threw it away. I picked her up. I hugged her. Why? I want to destroy the thing that could destroy her. I, I, a holy anger, you hate the thing that's going to destroy them. So when Moses burns with anger, it's not an unrighteous anger. It's not a, well, let's talk grace, everybody. Grace and truth and let's get a balance. No. This is the righteousness of God. He goes, I hate the thing that's destroying you. And we live in a culture filled with relativism where your temptation is to just allow everything to be okay everything to be as is. You don't want to offend anybody, so you don't ever say anything, you don't lead anything, and you don't hate sin. And you don't crush idols. But I believe God's raising up some of you to be idol crushers. And not just your own idols. Other people's idols. I believe that God is raising up some of you to where you so hate the thing that's destroying your friends that you don't just tolerate it and smile and say, I'm just going to love you till you ask me why. Good chance they're never asking. Oh, but David, no, I've, I've heard that. That must be in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. I've heard that my whole life. Love them, just love them, just love them till they ask you why. It's a problem. Nobody's asking. Your non-Christian friends can be nice and sweet and kind. But the person who's in love with Jesus, who knows Jesus, who walks in the power of God, who wants to destroy the things that Jesus hates, they're the ones that people go, tell me what's different about you. Talk to me. I want to just close with this story. When I was in high school, I had uh, reached my senior year and we'd been doing lots of things to try to reach my secular public high school for years. And uh, I become friends with this kid from student council. He was, drove a really cool, well now it doesn't sound cool maybe anymore, but drove a really cool red Mustang and 
He was like, he was super wealthy and just a cool kid. He was, uh, our junior year, he was elected, you know, president of the class and just, he was just a cool guy. Much cooler hair than me, he was a, which wasn't hard. He was a, he was a big time partier, you know, he's a big drinker and uh, real popular in our class. So I had about, there's about 2,500 kids in my high school. And uh, so it was the beginning of, uh, it was the very first event of the year. We used to have what we call a beach bash at the, at the beginning of the year. And that's, we're, we're, we were driving uh, away from that event and I got in his car and we were going to get lunch. And he goes, well, David, this is the year where everything changes for you. I was like, what? And he goes, I know you've been a Jesus freak for so long. He goes, I know that's, I know, I know. But listen, this is our senior year. And he goes, so I got to tell you, I have a goal for you for this year. And I'm thinking, a goal for me? And he says, by the end of this year, I'm going to have you being just, a, have a reputation for being the biggest drunk on campus. He goes, by the end of this year, he goes, I'm, you're going to have slept with girls. You're going you're gonna to become one of the biggest partiers in our high school. He goes, I'm just telling you, I got a goal for you. I laughed. And I said, well, I've got a goal for you too. And he goes, yeah, let me guess. And he goes, the Jesus thing? And I said, my goal is by the end of this year, you are so sick of drunkenness and immorality that you follow Jesus like I do. You don't have to have a cool mullet like me. But by the end of this year, my goal is to see you following Jesus. So we stayed friends all year. In fact, during that year, he became one of my my close friends. We had been good friends my junior year, but my senior year, we got really close. And it just kind of was back and forth. He would invite me to parties, and I'd go sometimes and hang out with them, and of course, I never, you know, engaged in all that, but I'd be his friend, hung out with him. I'd invite him to prayer meetings, didn't really come to those. But he came to a couple church events with me. And uh, so the last night, I actually, the last night of, uh, we had a baccalaureate. We had baccalaureate and then we had commencement. And so the night of baccalaureate, I stayed at his house. He had, a, he had a swimming pool and he had a cool house. And so I stayed over at his house. It was on a Thursday or Friday night. School was over. We just had baccalaureate and commencement to go. And I'll never forget, I was laying there on the ground. And we're just talking. It's probably about one in the morning. And uh, I was like falling asleep. Like, you know, I'm laying on the carpet in a sleeping bag. And he's laying up in his bed and we're just talking. And he goes... Okay, you win. And I go, what? And he goes, let's do it. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Do what? And he goes, come on, man. He goes, I got to be honest with you. I am so sick of this party life. And next year I'm going off to a university where I don't know a soul. And he goes, I've just... I know you, it's just, 
you're just, you're so intense and you, you just, you know what you're about. He goes, I just, I want some of that. He goes, I want to do the Jesus thing. I go, is the Jesus thing like becoming a Christian? And he's like, well, whatever you want to call it, great. He goes, let's do it. What do I got to do? I got to like, you know, I said, well, let's start with just praying this with me. So we prayed together. He gave his life to Jesus and uh, went off the next year, started prayer meetings on a secular university campus halfway across America. And he gave his life to God. Here's why I tell you that story. I'm not telling you theories. I'm not telling you ideas. I've watched it. I know it. I was just in the same state where he lives. I just hung out with him this year. I want to tell you something. It's in the game. This is our opportunity. You've got an opportunity to, to lead. It's not just fun and games. It's a real battle over the affections of the human race. You've got a few people that you can influence. Yes. I'm not saying that it has to be thousands, but let it be one. Yes. Focus in, lead your generation. And if you'll lead your generation, if you'll lead with strength, if you'll walk in the supernatural, if you'll know God, whether people see it now or if it's just before Jesus one day, when you stand before God, he'll say, you're a hero, good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's stand together. <clears throat> I'd like to invite Brandon and the team to come back up. Tonight, if you, um, if you want to lead your generation, you're in. No gimmicks. Just your end. Maybe you've been in before, but you just want to say before God, God, I'm in. If that's you tonight, I just want to invite you, just come on down here and I just want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you for three minutes. I'm going to let you go. You want to lead your generation. Father, standing here tonight is an army of young, willing leaders. I ask, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you come upon them? I pray that they would have the strength to serve and to lead well. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you touch them with might. I pray that they would walk in supernatural power. I pray that they would know God. I pray that they would literally crush the idols of the day. There would be a hatred in them of the lust that's destroying a generation. The pride that's destroying a generation. 
fear that's destroying a generation. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would place in them supernatural fire. Let a fiery zeal be in their hearts. Let your fire come. Spirit of God, let your fire come. God, we want the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit every day in our lives and we are not content to live without knowing God and living with power. So come and touch your people with power.
time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. 